up, Broncos country? What's up, Broncos country? This is Phil Lindsay. Justin Simmons here. This is Alexander Johnson. Hey, I'm Vaughn Miller, and you're listening to The Neutral Zone. Hello, and thank you for joining us here on The Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined, as always, by my trusty sidekick, my partner in crime. Really, the best way to describe this person is my everything. It's at Eric Dalala. Phil, it's great to see you. It's great to be joined by you. It's great to, I guess I'm joining you. It's just yeah. great to be here in general. Yeah. Thank you very much, Eric. I'm very happy to be chatting with you. That was really a strange way to start the show, but I think we're just going to move past that and keep going forward. How does that sound? Well, you know, I think based on what our listeners have said recently, get to those emails here sooner or later, they're kind of uh, on my side of neutral zonation. They like me better. You think that people are liking you better now? Now, I think it's yeah. This is this would be the first time. It's been pretty consistent, probably. Let's just get one thing uh, settled right away here. Drew Lock is still my cue. I'm. I that's still my cue. Fans don't think that. The fans think that you've given up. That you're on. I have not, and I'm not. It's not like I've switched sides or anything like that. I'm. That's still my cue. I still. We did receive an email, Phil, from our friend John Jornod, and he said. I was really glad Eric stood up for those of us who are behind Locke. Phil questioning if Locke is our future QB made me an Eric fan from now on. See, that that made him an Eric fan. Previously, not an Eric fan. Now an Eric fan. John, please come back to the good side. I think you'll like things more on this Phil on the Phil side of the river. Phil side of the tracks. Yeah, the land of delusion. It's really nice. <laughs> Eric, we've got a great show for NZ Nation today. We're going to hear from Malik Reed. You had a chance to catch up with him. He had a big sack on second down in that last series against the Patriots, set up that third and long, turned into fourth and long, and ultimately sealed the victory for the Broncos. Yeah, big play by a guy who has gotten an opportunity here to play really the last two years because of injuries and Phil, instead of sacking quarterbacks at Nevada, he's now uh, sacking guys like Sam Darnold, like Gardner Minshew, like Cam Newton. I mean, it's impressive. Good for him. Yeah. Top three overall picks. Nevada. That's what I said. It's Nevada. I know in the South, Eric, where you're from, that's not how they talk. Right. Well, down there, you know, we'd we'd stretch it out and be like, Nevada. Yeah, exactly. Nice and slow. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes I'll stop talking and I think that you're going to start talking, except you like to have a nice little pause. (laughs) I just want to make sure you're finished saying whatever silly things you're going to say before I start to speak truth to NZ Nation. We'll also hear from uh, Albert Okue Bunam. I had a chance to uh, talk with him, talk to him about uh, his impressive NFL debut, but also, hey, Let's go ahead and catch some of those touchdowns. We uh, we talked about that, Eric, and he recognized it. He said, hey, that's something I got to work on, but uh, I'll just let him speak for himself there. Uh, we had a good chat, though. I thought uh, he's an impressive young man. I enjoyed ch- chatting with him, very mature for his age. And, Eric, as a tight end, 
that's a really a nuanced position in the NFL. It takes guys, you know, a year or two to really get a feel for how you're supposed to run routes. We heard Vic Fangio talk about the way Travis Kelsey runs routes. He knows when to pivot. He knows when to continue the route. He knows when to break off the route. I think that uh, tight end is probably one of the harder positions to learn. And uh, for Albert O to go out there and uh, catch a couple of big passes from Drew Locke, uh, that was a, a pretty good NFL debut. Yeah, we'd like to thank Albert for his first and only appearance on the neutral zone since he's now uh, offended by the way that Phil just attacked him. It's not an attacking, Eric. It's my job to ask the questions that are on fans' mind. Fans. Fans didn't play. Fans. Fans. fans what? No, okay. no uh, fans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Eric, and then Noah, uh, there were Noah fans at the Patriots game. That's true. Noah fans in the stands. No, Eric, you know, Alberto uh, is impressive. And Phil, did you mention to him that you had a familial connection to his alma mater? I did not mention that to him. I actually I interviewed him when he was drafted, and I mentioned that my wife went to Mizzou. To Mizzou. And like I, I said, M-I-Z, and then he was like, Z-O-U. And then. She since left you. We were, no, Frank? no, that's not true. Okay, Kitty. good. Perfect. Good to hear. Thank you. Uh, Eric, then we'll dive right into this matchup with the Chiefs. We'll play, uh, we'll play two truths, one lie. And I think we'll also play Phil in the blank. And then, uh. The topics for this week's episode, Eric, and we'll just I'll just say say this right now. Is this still a rivalry between the Broncos and Chiefs? And uh Eric, we'll dive into our first topic here, which I think we should get started with is is it weird or do you have a problem with Drew Locke being from Kansas City? Oh, this is just such a did I pause long enough for you there? Yeah, you paused. Should I, that was a good pause. Nurse, should I uh, take an extra pause. second? That was a good pause. Um, I mean, I think that's a ridiculous notion that in any way it's a bad thing for him to be from Kansas City. Where else do you want him to be from? I mean, obviously, you'd probably you'd love for him to be from Denver. But, uh, you know, otherwise, I don't think it's issue. I think it would be tremendous if Kansas City, who has had this run of success for the last five years, and won a Super Bowl and seems to be the odds on favorite to win another one, you know, they think they're just going to go on this dominant run for 10 years here with Patrick Mahomes. If Locke could be a guy that, you know, maybe he just puts a little speed bump in that road toward trophy town, then maybe, uh, I don't like, I don't like the way you're talking at all. Trophy town. I don't like that. I don't 10 years. I don't like, I don't like any of those things. (laughs) But, you know, you know, if if Drew Locke can be the guy that all of a sudden makes uh, the Broncos competitive against the Chiefs again, if Justin Herbert's that guy out in L.A., if Derek Carr somehow becomes like a nice quarterback that the Raiders believe in long term, that's all good for the AFC West and good for the Broncos. Isn't it best if a true son does that? You know, it's like it's it's a betrayal in a way that I love because you like that. So you would hate you would hate if Philip Lindsay were the star running back for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. 
No, I agree. I, I, okay. First of all, let's explain what a true son is. That's someone who's born and raised in Missouri, like Drew Locke, and then also went on to attend the U- University of Missouri in Columbia, Como. Uh, Eric, that is what Drew Locke is. He is a true son of Missouri. The thing that is a little bit weird for me is like, for example, when he was talking on Wednesday, when he met the media this week, he said, yeah, it would be really cool to put on that Darth Vader mask, implying that he is now on the dark side, which is the Broncos side. Okay, that's not how I see things at all. The dark side, the bad side is the Kansas City side. It would be awesome if Drew Locke was like, it would be nice to have converted from the dark side to the good side. Mm. See, but the tone is, is the opposite there. He's taking a Kansas City perspective because he's from Kansas City, which I think is reasonable. That's true. So if you, you know, Philip Lindsay grew up a Broncos fan, he's not going to say like, man, I, I really hate those guys. I'm glad I'm on the good side now. I've always wanted to be a Chiefs fan. Wouldn't you be more concerned about him if he was like, I always like secretly wanted to be with the Broncos, when, even yeah. when I was a little child? If Drew Locke said that? Yeah. If he was like, I grew up in enemy territory never, and I love I never actually liked the Chiefs. I pretended to just to make my parents happy, but I always loved John Elway. You probably would love that, actually. I would love that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, I would have liked that. I, I do think Darth Vader, um, he dies in the Star Darth Wars. Darth Vader movie. does die. But, but at the last moment, he sort of has like a reckoning with his son. Spoiler right, but, alert, Luke Skywalker. Wait, what? Yeah. No, but yeah. he goes back to the good side at the very end of the movie. He's sitting there with like little ghost Yoda. I don't know if you remember that or not. Yes. Um, that would imply that at some point Drew is going to go back to Kansas City. See, and I don't like that either. I don't like any <laughs> of those things. Right. So I do think we need to work just like the Raiders are currently saying their their stadium is the Death Star, which gets blown up in Star Wars. Darth Vader dies in Star Wars. We need to, yeah. you know, he needs to be like... Uh, I don't know. Who, I'm who waiting. That's was this one of your Luke pauses? Skywalker? Like he can be that was, a, that was a long one. Yeah, I was gonna say I like uh, go Jar Jar Skywalker? Jar Jar Binks, but I don't think that's. You don't want Drew to be Jar Jar Binks. Stop. <laughs> We've had the quarterback equivalent of Jar Jar Binks around here. Oh, years. wow! Shots fired. Well, Shots I know fired. I left it. I left that anonymous. So that's Eric. Though I do think that it is interesting. All players in the NFL probably grew up some part of the country rooting for an NFL team, you know. And the, but the second that you're drafted into the NFL, you're you have no control over that, and you just got to go join that team. And you know, in Drew's case, it's he joined a team that's a huge rival for one for his childhood favorite team. Yeah, which, you know, it's probably not all that uncommon, but it's certainly not super common with the quarterback position just because of the nature of, you know, how few players get to that spot. And you think about a guy like Peyton Manning, probably grew up a Saints fan because of his dad. There's no connection there to Indianapolis. You think of Tom Brady, who grew up a San Francisco 49ers fan, there's no connection there to New England. So uh, Tom Brady's in Tampa Bay now. 
I understand that, that, but that's not where he went initially. Yes. Um, but it would be interesting if they like had played each other in a Super Bowl or something. Right. But, you know, when it's, when it's Peyton and his favorite team was the Saints and he goes to Indianapolis, that's just like, oh, that's cute that your dad played for the Saints. When you, when you grow up a fan of a division rival, then it's like, well, what was wrong with you? That's, that's a, the path you're taking here is that there's something seriously wrong in Drew's past that he was a Chiefs. I'm just saying it might take some time to work out some of those, those uh, thoughts that have been ingrained in him. Like he mentioned, he said, Hey, 21 years I've been in Missouri. I've grew up this way. You can't just forget about that in the past. But you think he's going to throw the game. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm not saying that. Okay. No, I'm just saying it's got to be a little strange for him though. I would sure, say it's going to be a little bit strange. And, you know, his dad obviously owns a lot of restaurants in the Kansas City area. That would be kind of strange, too, to be like, I'm a restaurant owner here, but go Broncos. Because I have seen at Andy Locke's house, he's posted a flag that he proudly displays Broncos flag. Yeah. In the heart of Chiefs country. I well, like that. Well, don't you King- like Drew, Drew said the same thing, that he walks – walks through downtown Kansas city in a Broncos shirt. And, you know, uh, right now it's might be hard for you to come to terms with, but if he starts beating the chiefs once a year or twice a year, twice a year, Eric, twice a year, hurting their feelings all the time, you're going to love that he's from KC because Phil, as much as it pains you right now, if a true son starts beating the chiefs on a consistent basis, it's it's going to hurt them more, cut them to the core and they're going to hate it. And Drew Locke is going to be one of the most hated players that they, you know, that they face at all. So yes, uh, that's an, to me, that excites me. I like the drama. That's much better than if Drew is from Seattle and he beats Kansas City. Because I'd say right now, like when uh, he meets the media and there's some Chiefs reporters that are on, they all act buddy-buddy with him. They're like, oh, hey, man, like I remember, like we covered you in high school or whatever, and like we covered you in Missouri. There's some reporters in Denver that do that as well. I wonder, though, if over time, if Drew starts beating the Chiefs, if that friendly buddy-buddy kind of notion, maybe that'll go out the window. Well, he's he's a good story right now, and that's all, you know, for as, as talented as we think he is and as much potential as he has. Right now, it's just a cute story that the Broncos quarterback is from Kansas City and he's going to give it his best. If he starts winning, it becomes, well, this is annoying. Yeah. For them, it becomes good for the Broncos. Exactly. And uh, he even said it, though, on Wednesday. He like Somebody said, hey, Andy Reid paid him a big compliment. And he was like, wow. You know, that means a lot coming from Andy Reid. You're you know, shook. You don't like this at all. I don't like that. You should, so in your eyes, he should have said something like, I'm not here to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs coach. I love Vic Fangio. He's my real dad. Something like that. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I know. I think that Drew's handled himself perfectly through all this, except the Darth Vader comment. Yeah, we'll work on that. We got to work on that. Yeah, that's okay. We got to work on that. But I do think it's a little, it's just a little bit strange. That's all. That's all. It's just, and it's got to be strange for him too. And, you know, obviously once the competitive juices start flying and you're just out there, you want to win, that's obviously the biggest priority. But, you know, leading up to the game and whatnot, and, like, I'm sure his buddies from back home are texting him stuff. And, you know, that's going to – that he's going to have to deal with that two times a year until, you know, 
it becomes a thing of the past. Like you mentioned, maybe it's the Broncos start winning these games. And then all of a sudden it's not like, haha, you're facing the chiefs again. It's uh it's on. I'll share a little story here before we move on, because this is among the more absurd topics we've ever discussed on this program. Um, as you may know, I grew up an Indianapolis Colts fan. I knew and, that, Eric. Yeah, yeah. I think I've seen your childhood that. room has uh, Andrew Locke, Peyton Manning all over. Andrew Locke. Andrew Locke. Yeah. Locke. I can't confirm that, but you know when when the Bronco when I first joined the Broncos in 2016, the Andrew Luck and uh, the Colts played the Broncos in Week Two, and I think you guys were like, "Oh, this is." who you're going to cheer for. And, it, you know, it was a little weird that first year, but you still want the Broncos to win. It was just a little weird. By the time you play them a second or a third time or whatever, that, that connection is long. It's long gone, you know, Got because it. the Chiefs aren't getting Drew Locke a ring the same way that the Colts were not going to help me get a ring. And so you quickly, you know. So you're kind of like a player. You're kind of, is that what you're saying? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's the point here. You like to put yourself in that. In that position, yeah, like. exactly. I try to look back and think about uh, my career. Uh huh. I like that, Eric. Sometimes it's interesting the way that you talk about the Kansas City Chiefs because Ooh. you tend to like put them up on this pedestal a little bit. You t- like you start talking about ten years of Trophy Town. Like I, uh, so that's very interesting to me because, you know, one, if you'd been here right before when you started, the things were quite the opposite. Sure. You know what I mean? Like Patrick, it was Patrick an automatic dub here. seven in a row against those guys. And for my entire lifetime, it had been fairly back and forth with them. So like and that's a whole you're talking about back to the the twenties or so, you know. You were long before the series even existed. <laughs> I was a yeah, when I was a kid before football existed. Exactly. You know, all we had was baseball. Right. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I think that that was interesting. I think it's an interesting topic. I don't, I don't think it's that weird to talk about. It's, it is interesting that the Broncos leader, the Broncos Q grew up in enemy territory, but we rescued him, Eric. We went in there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Ops he's, mission. He's like, um, you know, our friend Liz Manis, who normally gets a shout out at the end. Yeah. The that she rescued her dog, Winston. We kind of like rescued Drew. Yes. Did she rescue Winston? Yes. Oh, got it. Okay. Yes. All right, Erica, do you want to move on to two truths and one lie? I would love to. Eric, I think that you're going to enjoy this one. Of course, uh, last week against the Patriots, Tim Patrick had more than 100 yards receiving. Philip Lindsay had more than 100 yards rushing. That's now happened in back-to-back games for just the fifth time since 1997 for the Broncos. That in back-to-back games, they've had a 100-yard wide receiver and a 100-yard running back in back-to-back games because against the Jets, the the game prior to that. I, I comprehend. Tim Patrick and Melvin Gordon did it. This week, this last week against the Patriots, Tim Patrick, Philip Lindsay did it. Just the fifth time since 1997 for the Broncos. Okay. Okay. 
That's number one. Number two, Eric, as we've uh, discussed, the Kansas City Chiefs have won nine consecutive games in this series. That is the longest winning streak by a team since this series started. Mm-hmm. Feels similar to one of last year's two truths in a way. And uh, Eric, the third one is, is very similar to the second one, but Kansas Perfect. City has now won four straight division titles starting in 2016, 17, 18, and 19. They've won four consecutive AFC West titles. But Eric, did you know that the Broncos have won the most division titles in f- with 15? They've won 15 AFC West titles, the most among any AFC West team. This is a tough one, Phil. I believe that uh, the first one is true. I believe that the third one is true. So I'm going to say the second one is false. I think the longest streak is like 11 or something like that. Correct. The longest winning streak by any team in this series, 11 by the Chiefs, started in 1964, ended in 1969. We're getting dangerously close. 11 consecutive games. Yes. It's a little too close for comfort, Eric. How about changing that this week? I would, I would appreciate that. Now, for listeners who are wondering, the Broncos have won 15 AFC West division titles. Oakland is number two with 12. Then tied for third are the L.A. Chargers and Kansas City Chiefs. They've each won 10. And then way back in fifth place is Seattle. They've won the division twice when uh, they used to be in the AFC West. Yeah, I don't foresee them winning again anytime soon. Yes. Um, It is kind of wild that the Chiefs, in their long history, that 40% of those titles have come within the last four years. Yeah, interesting, huh? It's almost like it correlates with them getting one of the best quarterbacks of certainly this generation and perhaps uh, could put himself up there among the all-time greats. Weird the correlation. Weird the correlation. Oh, you You don't like the Mahomes love? Just need to calm down a little bit. But, yes, Patrick Mahomes is obviously getting better and better. He's like some sort of like a like a like a um, almost like a star that's just collecting mass and becoming stronger and stronger and stronger. Yes. That's what he's sort of like that. Like Thanos. <laughs> I'm not a huge comic book guy, so I, I like I, I get the reference, but. Yeah. Um, Phil, if you could start, well, maybe I'll say this for fill in the blank. We won't, we're not Ooh. going there yet. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's true, Eric. Uh, Eric, what do you think? Time to t- uh, hear from your uh, conversation with Malik Reed? Yeah, Phil, let's get to it. He uh, really, after Jeremiah Atachu got hurt, had an opportunity here to kind of find a role in Denver. He's an undrafted guy. Um, you know, maybe not as big as your traditional outside linebacker, but He's still found success and probably one of the better stories on the Broncos. So let's hear from him. Can you take me through both of the sacks there um, that really both of them were pretty pretty critical in winning the game? Um, yeah, well, I guess we start with the first one. Um, you know, I guess in bringing, bringing more pressure, I guess, it creates more, you know, one-on-one opportunities. 
and it just so happened that the you know the tight ends were chipping a little bit, you know, throughout the game, and it happened on the, the first that first sack. The tight end like chipped, and then he he left. I guess the tackle was, you know, concerned about one of the inside guys, and he saw me coming late. But I was able to, you know, get around the corner before he could really get to me, and I was able to, you know, wrap up him for the sack. You know, he's a big dude, so you got to make sure you, you know, definitely come with it. You know, when you come in, uh, to, uh, come in to tackle him, um, anyway, <laughs> whether he's in the pocket or outside the pocket. And then, um, the second one, I think we brought more pressure on that play. I don't know how many guys we brought, but, you know, it was one on one with the tackle again. He was, uh, you know, I was able to drive him back a little bit, and I seen Cam, you know, stepping up. From the corner of my eyes, so I was able to, you know, shed that block, get off, and, you know, he ended up stepping up right into me. So, you know, it was some great plays, and, you know, I was fortunate enough, uh, blessed enough for it to happen, you know, at that point in the game, you know, it's such a critical time, and I'm just, you know, thankful and grateful, you know, and I continue to give all glory to God. Yeah, the, the fourth down is obviously where the game ended, but without your sack, you know, it, maybe that doesn't happen. What did your teammates say to you? What did your coaches say to you about what that that second sack did for the chances of winning the game? Man, they said it was it was big, you know, coming off the field after that series, after that fourth down stop. You know, the teammates was congratulating me, telling me, you know, how big it was, you know, that for it to come at that point in the game, you know, put them behind the sticks and, you know, make it hard for them to convert and get that first down. It was, you know, a big play in the game, and I'm just, you know, glad that, you know, my teammates can come, teammates, coaches can come, you know, congratulate me and let me know, you know, how big of an impact that, that, that sack had on the game and at the end of the game. And I'm just thankful, you know, to, to be a part of, you know, such a great win, be a part of a great team. I'm thankful for, you know, what's going on here. I think we got something special going. What has this opportunity meant to you? Obviously, last year when Bradley went down, you got some reps. And then uh, right now with Jerry out and, and Vaughn, obviously, um, you've gotten a couple starts here. Uh, just kind of what has your approach been? It's really just, um, you know, taking it one day at a time, one step at a time, uh, one game at a time, just keeping a small focus, focus on, you know, what I can control and, you know, really that's, you know, how you prepare each week and how you come in with the, the right mindset for whatever may come, uh, and whatever opportunity is presented. So, you know, just, just staying in the moment, not looking, you know, to the past, not looking to the future, but focusing on the task at hand and, you know, embracing it. What, uh, what does it mean to get some, I think Peter King with uh, NBC Sports had you as one of his national defensive players of the week. What's it mean for you who you've kind of flown under the radar? I think you'd agree with that. What does it mean to get some national recognition for your play? Man, it's, uh, it's amazing. I'm just thankful. You know, it's a blessing. Like I said, you know, without God, I wouldn't even be here and be in this position. So, you know, I'm just grateful for, you know, for him to be seen, you know, him to work through me in such a way, like on the stage such as such as this, you know, the NFL and to be in this position, you know, it's, it's amazing to have, you know, that recognition and get get noticed, you know, for, you know, the hard work that goes into it, not just in the season, you know, in the off season as well. So, you know, I'm just, you know, blessed to be in this situation. I'm thankful for, you know, the recognition. You came from Nevada, which is, a, you know, a smaller school. When did you realize that you could play in this league and that you could make an impact at the highest level? Because, what, you've got, I think, four and a half sacks now, four sacks um, <clears throat> in your career. So, you know, you're doing it. When did you realize that you could? Um, I would say really, uh, I would say really midway, probably midway towards, uh, midway to the end of my career, 
um, and just realizing, you know, how, you know, I could affect the game. Um, you know, like you said, it's me major, but I feel like it doesn't matter. You know, where you come from, these players from all over, one double A, you know, it's, it's a bunch of stories out there from players that, you know, didn't get, you know, recognition, didn't get, you know, all the hype, you know, coming out of college, but guys that can play and, you know, can affect the game in a major way. And, like, and noticing that, noticing, you know, plays, like making plays out there on the field and how, you know, offenses, how you could, you know, attack offenses by certain things that you did. Man, I just... I just, I just felt like I, I know, you know, God had a purpose and a plan for me beyond, you know, college and, um, and 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 realizing, you know, how the opportunity when the opportunity presented itself is like, yeah, man, like really, you know, take it, take the bull by the horns and really, you know, embrace it and not not think about, oh, you know, I came from Nevada, one double A, you know, all these guys from, you know power five schools and stuff like that but you really you just have to i feel like believe in yourself and you know i feel like in nevada you know that grit and grind you know type of environment it really helped me you know develop you know a mindset and that mentality of you know coming in here ready to work and work you know work for everything that you want and i feel like that's that's the way that you know Success comes not not only you know the NFL and football, but just in life. So I feel like I'm thankful, you know, to have gone to Nevada and for the uh, the journey up to this point is is you know really made me who I am. So I'm just grateful. How have you learned from Bradley, from Vaughn, and what have they done that's made you a better player? It's really with um you know they tremendous players you know they give you know tips and you know they seen you know a lot of a lot of football played a lot of football went against a lot of guys so just little tips from you know the tackle tackle sets you know but be really I feel like in a key a key thing that you know Bond and the you know have emphasized is that to really you know be patient like you you know you never know like stay 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 in the game. Um, you know, whether you made a play, had a sack early in the game or not, you never know. And even Joe was talking about this um, during the game. He's like, man, I feel it coming. Just, you know, just keep coming. It don't matter, you know, when it comes or, you know, what time in the game, whether it's at the beginning of the game or the end of the game. Just just keep coming. Um, go all out. You know, give it all you got every play. You know, play, plays will come. You don't have to go chase plays. And just keep, keep being who you are. You know, the person you've been up to this point and keep working hard and, you know, good things will happen. Your uh, your sacks of Cam Newton were good, but then you also looked like sacked Bradley last week against the Jets. <laughs> Can you take me through that play and what what did he say to you on the sideline after that? You talking about uh, at the Jets? Yeah, you you, you tackled him. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, bro, he was like, bro, you hit me so hard. <laughs> he was like. You know, like it's probably the hardest he got hit uh, during the whole game. But you know, it was just a, it was a jokingly joke. Uh, he knew he knew it was a you know it was coming from a good place, and you know I was just happy and excited, you know, for him to make that play in such a like a such a huge play in that game as well, and to to uh, put our uh, team in a position to to win and to win a game, and that was huge of him. And you know, he he knew it was all love. It wasn't no no ill will or intention by it. <laughs> It was a good hit. Um, you know, you've gotten going. Bradley Chubb has gotten going. Anthony Chiquillo had a, a sack on Sunday. What has Vic's decision to start blitzing more done for this pass rush, do you think? I 
feel like it, you know, creates um, more things that the offense has to prepare for and has to think about, you know, when they're preparing for us and, you know, during the game as well from uh, creating indecision in the quarterback and indecision in the, you know, the play calling and he, what he wants to go with. I just feel like, you know, it, uh, it makes our defense uh, really multifaceted and that you have to prepare for a lot of things once you see us and, you know, we got a lot of guys, great, great players out there that can, you know, make plays and, you know, putting guys in, you know, as many one-on-one, you know, positions as possible. I feel like it's, you know, uh, created a lot of opportunities. And I feel like it, you know, it's helped us as a team and helped us as a defense as well. Last one for you, Malik, before we'll let you go. Enjoy the rest of your day off. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs are coming here this weekend. You guys have a chance now to snap a nine-game losing streak to them to get back to three and three. What's it going to take to do that and to slow down that offense? Uh, it's really just just stay at it. You know, this is the next game that we have. You know, they're a great team, but that's that's the only person people we focused on right now. You know, so one game season, so we're doing everything we can to you know prepare and get ready for those guys, and it's going to take a full team effort. You know, when you, when you playing a team like that, you know, great team that's good. You know, in every facet of the game, you really have to you know bring the whole team. It's going to take the offense, defense, and special teams to be able to you know come out and be successful against those guys. So um, it's definitely going to take us all. And we, if we can continue to build upon, you know, what we've been doing well and get things corrected that we haven't been doing so well, I feel like, you know, the sky's the limit. It does feel like you guys have been riding a wave of momentum here and emotion. So we'll see we'll see what happens. I think everybody's excited for that game. Oh, yeah. I doubt we, uh, <laughs> we, we're ready to play them, those guys. All right. Thanks, Malik. All right. I appreciate it. Felt a little weird for me to be doing an interview again. You know, I kind of was out of the swing of things there. But, you know, Malik uh, gave some good answers. I particularly was most intrigued, not by his sack of Cam Newton, but of the week before when he tackled Bradley Chubb after Bradley <laughs> Chuck Chubb's uh, fourth down sack of Sam Darnold. It's pretty entertaining to watch, and Malik's answer was good, too. Yeah, like when you said, hey, I think I might interview Malik Reed uh, for the podcast this week. I was like, uh, are you feeling okay? Is everything going okay with you? Um, right. Glad to hear you're doing better now. Exactly. Um, but yeah, Malik Reed, obviously, you know, I think it speaks to the coaching that's on this staff for the Broncos because they're doing things with guys that are undrafted, you've never really heard of before. You know, they're they're taking those guys and getting the most out of them, putting them in situations to succeed. And, you know, got guys like Malik Reed have really flourished under this. You know, uh, obviously he's making the most of his opportunity thanks to some injuries and stuff like that. But, you know, I really think that it's a credit to the Broncos coaching staff where they're getting guys like Malik Reed to be, you know, two sacks a game, making the big plays, you know, late down the stretch there, that that kind of stuff. Uh, I think that that's a big credit to them. Yeah, some of it's player development, right, whether that's in the offseason or uh, on the practice field or the front office having a good eye for some of these guys. But it's not just Malik Reedfield. It's guys like Tim Patrick, Malik, um, Mike Purcell, Deontay Spencer, you know, Devontae Bosby. Those are all guys that have kind of, you know, slip through the cracks in some regards uh, in the NFL, and the Broncos have found them. And you look at a Chipolo. guy. Like, 
Yeah, well, you look at a guy like Tim Patrick, back-to-back 100-yard games, he's your top receiver at the moment. I mean, that's a that's a good find. That's a good job by coaches like Zach Gazzani uh, to get him to where he is. And, yeah, we'll see what Malik's able to do the rest of the season, obviously, on pace to have a career year. And some of that depends on opportunity. But, Phil, he, he is certainly uh, going to have a role kind of as a reserve player, rotational guy, even after a Vaughn or a Bradley Chubb um, are back together. And, you know, I think Vic has done a good job of calling blitzes or calling defenses that allow a guy like Malik to get a favorable one-on-one matchup. That's, that's the coaching element of it too. So everything's, everything's clicking right now for a guy like Malik. Yeah. And that helps when uh, Cam tends to hold on to the ball a little bit longer you know, Sam Darnold and, you know, he's uh, obviously in a passing situation. Those things help. But yes, I think Malik has worked very hard, you know, and he's taken the coaching and he's uh, adapted it and sort of feels like, Eric, to when Shaq Barrett was here. You know, I, I'm not sure if I want to compare those two players, but the role that they are filling is very similar, you know, uh you know, a guy that you've never really heard of before behind, you know, two great pass rushers on the roster. And then, you know, when he gets his chance, he's making the most of it. Yeah, I can see that, especially because I don't know if people remember or not, but Shaq was not even really the third guy because Shane Ray was supposed to be that third guy. Um, So Shaq was that fourth pass rusher to some degree the same way that it kind of seems like Malik is behind Jeremiah Itachu. Um, So, hey, excited to see in, what, maybe two years, Malik have 18 and a half sacks for somebody else? Is that kind of what we're looking at? I am hoping that uh, he finds that success, but it's here in Denver. Got it. Hey, you know, I think I just enjoy Malik's story because, and maybe this is odd, but because he's not Bradley Chubb's size and not Von Miller's size, like he's 6'2", and you know, you walk by him and you're not, you're not struck the same way that you are with some of these other NFL guys of like, you're getting by on sheer like monstrosity. His He's body, the, his body size, very similar to yours, Eric. Exactly. If I were a little shorter, you know, a little bit shorter. Yeah. But when, when you guys like uh, go into the equipment room and they're like, what size? Almost everything is the same. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. My calves are a little bigger. Cavs a little bit bigger, but his quads, his quads are a little bit bigger. Sketchers. Yeah. The boosts. What is oh. it? The shape ups? Shape ups? Shape ups. Not a sponsor, but uh, could oh. be. Could be. Yeah. We've seen him work wonders in the past for people that we've worked with. And also Joe Montana. And That's I true. think now Tony Romo and his wife, I believe. Hmm. I believe. Good so, company, but not a sponsor. So. Yeah, not a sponsor. Let's, not, let's move on from that. Yeah. Eric, uh, did you want to play fill in the blank now, or do, should we go to Albert O? Yeah, we can play. We can uh, play fill in the blank. Okay, let's go ahead and play uh, fill in the blank. That's P H I L. That's with a P H. Yes, yeah. kind Maybe of a strange. You're you don't quite get it. It's because your name is Phil, and we're filling in the blank. Untraditional spelling. Yeah. Okay, Phil. The the first fill in the blank is. A question maybe that revolves around Patrick Mahomes, who is this week's opponent, the 2018 NFL MVP, Super Bowl 54 MVP. Um, That's enough. If you, 
or done. If you were building an NFL team from scratch, Phil, and you could pick one player to build around, you can't pick Mahomes. Oh, you cannot pick Mahomes. No, because I, I well, I mean, if you're not going to say Mahomes, then you can have Mahomes to choose from. But I just assume that Mahomes would obviously be the number one choice. Yes, I think Mahomes. Everybody would pick. Yeah. yeah, I think everyone in the league would pick Mahomes. So the best player at the most important position. Right. So assuming you cannot pick Patrick Mahomes, you would pick blank to lead your franchise. And you've got to you've got to take everything into account here because age matters. Um, you know, position matters here. Maybe contract to some degree, probably not as much, but like you wouldn't want to pick Tom Brady. I mean you could if you want to, but Got it. So I'm just starting out here, and I want to pick a guy who's going to lead my team for a while. No, you've moved up to Alaska. They're starting a new franchise, and you're the general manager and the head coach. And there's an expansion draft, and nobody is protected except for Patrick Mahomes. I, I think that you want to go with a young guy. Like right off the bat, I was thinking Deshaun Watson is like mm-hmm. where my head was going. But I think that I've seen enough from a guy like Joe Burrow that Ooh. that made – see, and like like I liked what Kyler did the other night, but I'm not sure if I would pick him first over everybody just because I think you might run into some injury concerns with Kyler, especially if he keeps playing like that. Um, similarly, Lamar Jackson – Makes me a little bit nervous. I think I would say Joe Burrow. Wow. That's I would, a, I would not have expected you to go there just because um, he's won one game. And uh, I know you have to make some some guess here, but but that's an interesting projection. I, I think that's a decent choice. I think so. That obviously is a bit of a risk. You know what I yeah, mean? But, you know, you're probably going to get blown out of uh, Juno if you don't, if Burrow doesn't pan out. I'll have to go back to the lower 48. Exactly. You'll never be allowed up in Yukon again. <laughs> Who would you pick, uh, Eric? Um, so I don't know if you'll like this. I don't know if Broncos country will like this. You're saying Justin Herbert. <laughs> that silly little boy. Eric Carr, that's strange. That's not a good pick. Russell Wilson. Ah. He's even a, though he's a little bit older now. Yeah, he's on the wrong side of 30. Obviously, he's 31 right now and will be 32 by the end of the year, I believe. But the way quarterbacks are playing now, I think you could get another seven, eight years out of Russell Wilson. Yeah. Certainly another five or six. I think that's enough to take him number one. To take yeah. him. Um obviously playing at an MVP level right now. Yeah, and he's, you know, for as good as a, a Kyler is or a Deshaun Watson or as a Joe Burrow could be. Um Russell Wilson's shown that he can do it and can win the Super Bowl and can yeah. play at an MVP level. And so I just that's true. think that's a little bit safer. Yeah. I will say, you know, bubble water. The, the one thing I will say is that uh, I think one thing we've learned so far this start of this season is how important coaching is in this league and the scenario that you're drafted into. Very few quarterbacks can do what like a Peyton Manning did where you are drafted to a team first overall. And obviously they're first overall for a reason. And you have to change the culture in the building. You have to change the mindset in that town. And like what Peyton did in India, 
helped made that town a, a football town. You know, before Indy, it was basketball and auto racing. And, you know, for him to change the culture and have it where football is a big deal there now, I think that speaks to Peyton Manning's talent and not everybody can do that. I think you're seeing, I'm not, I'm not obviously comparing him to Peyton, but I think you're seeing Burrow get drafted into a situation where the culture is starting maybe to change a little bit and he's able to find success in spurts there. It hasn't led to wins just yet, but I think you could see that as uh, John Elway likes to say about Drew Locke, it's not too big for him. I think that's fair. I think uh, Juno would rally behind Joe Burrow in that situation. Maybe, you know, could eventually view it as a powerhouse. It would be a tough travel game, you know, a long road trip, certainly. That's true. Uh, for Russell Wilson, pretty easy move just right up there to Intel. Exactly. I thought about that. You know, yeah. relocation nice. would be easier. Ciara might not like it, but. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows what the future might hold? That's true. Um, Phil, your second fill in the blank is that it's Patrick Mahomes related again. I apologize. Obviously. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, Phil Mahomes, great player, really good at picking apart coverages. He might be even better, though, when you blitz him and give him less time. So if you were the Broncos this weekend, you would do blank with your defense in order to try to stop Mahomes. Interesting, Eric. I think that you still have to figure out a way to get pressure on him. The thing that uh, makes Mahomes really frustrating, and this is very similar to when John Elway played, is that when you've got an opportunity to take him down, you can't miss. Uh, that's, that's the thing to me is that when you have a chance to bring him down and you want to try and keep him in the pocket, but when he kills defenses is, is when he makes that guy miss and then all of a sudden it's a broken play it's a scramble drill or something and he just kills teams and John Elway used to do that all the time where he would duck under a guy or he would avoid a guy and then boom 50 60 yards down the field you're seeing huge plays those kind of plays just kill a defense's mindset because you go from like maybe like a seven eight ten yard sack unless you're Joe Flacco and it's like 30-yard sack. But with Mahomes, you go from that like an eight-yard sack and then it's like a 60-yard gain, then that that kills you. So I would, I would call blitzes, maybe not as much, but I think you want him to be a little bit unsure of what's about to happen. So you got to dial up some blitzes. But I think for the most part, you want to play a lot of coverage. I think you saw the Raiders have some success there when they did that. The Bills obviously tried to do something similar, but Clyde Edwards Elaire just killed them. So I think tackling is going to be a big, big priority this week. Yeah. You know, I think with the Raiders, although they played a lot of coverage, they only blitzed five times against the Chiefs. Yeah. Um, they were able to get pressure with four. And so if you can do that, and it does look like the Chiefs offensive line is going to be a little bit banged up. If you can do that, then sure, you don't need to blitz because you can get to Mahomes and make him uncomfortable. And he might score 30, but he won't score 45. And you can find a way to win if your offense plays well, too. I just worry, based on what we saw the first few weeks of the year, Phil, that this 
team can get pressure with four. I mean, Vic Fangio, I think, wouldn't be blitzing otherwise if they could. We saw guys like Bradley Chubb and Malik Reed and, uh, you know, Shelby Harris and at the time Jarrell Casey just kind of get stonewalled there when you rush with four. And so I do think to some degree, maybe you need to say, hey, Patrick Mahomes' passer rating is like 125 when he's blitzed, but we got to stick with our strength and what we're doing well. And right now what the Broncos are doing well is mixing in blitzes. And then you hope that a, a secondary that Phil, I, I don't want to be sacrilegious here because I think Chris Harris is a great player. I think that a guy like Darian Stewart is a great player. But this Broncos secondary is probably better than it has been in several years. You know, yeah. certainly. Especially if Boye is back. Yes. Exactly. Certainly 2019, probably 2018, maybe even 2017. I mean, this the secondary is playing well. And you're right. If A.J. Boye comes back and now you've got a guy in mind. Michael Ojemudia, who, according to all these advanced statistics, is playing as one of the best cornerbacks in the league right now from a coverage perspective the last few weeks. I mean, take your chances. And you still got to figure out what to do with Travis Kelsey. But, um, you know, I, I just think you can't get away from what you're doing well and what's helping you succeed just to kind of worry about Kansas City. I like what Vic had to say on Wednesday. He said, you can't just do one thing against them. You got to mix it up and keep them guessing a little bit. So I think that, I think you're going to have to try and trick them a little bit. You know, I think that one thing Vic has said is that Patrick Mahomes continues to get better because he's a young quarterback still. He's getting better and better and better. Well, one of the things that is hard for a younger quarterback to diagnose is blitzes or maybe coverage schemes that are a little bit confusing. Maybe he's going to see some stuff he's never seen on tape before, like that fourth down blitz that, that Fangio dialed up last week. So, you know, I think that you're going to have to mix things up. You're going to have to keep Mahomes guessing. And yeah, I mean, the chiefs have so many weapons in on the offensive side of the ball. One thing you do don't want to do is get beat over the top, which we've seen kill the Broncos in the past. But at the same time, you can't let Kelsey kill you underneath. So you're, they're going to have to figure something out. They're going to have to do it. Yeah. And, you know, I would say if you do blitz, the answer is probably not seven or eight guys. It's probably five or six, you know, yeah. so you can still have those people back there to prevent a big play. And the other thing I'll say is if you would have brought seven against Mahomes on that fourth down play and you put Mahomes where Cam Newton is, Mahomes is going to make that throw. Yeah. So it's just, it's Probably. tough. Phil, last fill in the blank. Obviously, we're all gearing up for a big game against the Kansas City Chiefs. We're feeling good. We've got two wins in a row. You want to win this one and get to three and three. But well, is I don't it, like where this is going. No, there. it just isn't necessarily, there's no guarantee that you get a win this weekend. So blank would have to happen for you to still feel encouraged about the direction of this team and its chances for the rest of the season this weekend against the Chiefs? I would feel encouraged if the Broncos' offense started scoring some touchdowns. Like, I think that if uh, some like if some of those drives that we've seen stall out once they've gotten to the red zone, if the Broncos score touchdowns in those situations, but still for whatever reason they end up losing, I would still feel encouraged because I was like, hey, that offense took a big step or something like that. And I think that uh, you got to try and put up some points this week if you want to beat this team. So in order to do that, I think that 
you got to score touchdowns. And if they can do that and start and have this game be competitive, which it hasn't been in a little while here, have it be competitive because the offense is, is picking up some of the slack. I would feel encouraged because I know what this defense is capable of. But if I see the offense really pick things up here, I think that no matter what the outcome is, I would still feel pretty good uh, knowing that that side of the ball took a little bit of a jump here because the stats, it's not pretty for the offense. 29th in uh, yards per game, 29th in points per game, 25th in rushing, 27th in passing, uh, 30th in interceptions. So, you know, if I could see that side of the ball take a jump, then I'll feel better about the team in general moving forward. Yeah, I think as long as you're in this game in the fourth quarter, you know, and maybe you you can have a lead for a portion of that. That would be obviously ideal, and winning would be most ideal. But the Broncos so far have competed well against two teams that are now 5-0. and They've been right in those games, had a chance to win them at the end. Um, Kansas City is, you know, close in caliber, I think, to those teams. There's just, for whatever reason, it's been an issue, especially at Arrowhead, but just in general, to stay competitive with this Chiefs team. So, Let's see the Broncos do that. And I know there's going to be this urge if the Broncos somehow lose and fall to two and four for fans to be like, well, that's it. You know, we had our chance. We won two in a row. That was fun. That was cute. But we're back to like back to the Trevor Lawrence talk that everybody loves so much. But listen, Phil, you know, I think there's still a way where you can say, hey, did we not like we fell to the best team in the league the same way that the Ravens did or that plenty of teams are going to do this season, but we've got games coming up against the chargers, against the Falcons, against the Raiders, the dolphins that all that you should be competitive in all of those. And, you know, I want to see a performance that you say, if we translate this to next Sunday against the chargers, we're going to get a win. If we translate that to the next Sunday against the Falcons, we're going to get a win. And You know, a few weeks from now, we're going to be looking back and saying, wow, we dug our way out of a two and four hole. And now we're sitting with a, a winning record. Yeah. I agree. I agree. To me, that means scoring touchdowns. Yeah, so, no, I agree. Yeah, but I liked what Locke said uh, during his uh, availability on Wednesday. He said, this is the first time that I'm playing a team for the second second go-around uh, in his career. So uh, see what he – see what – maybe if he learned some things from that snow game, although that game was so weird and such an outlier, doesn't really – There might be some snow again this weekend. That's true. It's supposed to be very chilly, huh, Eric? Little chilly. Maybe a three hot cocoa mm-hmm. game for you in the in the press box. I, you know, it's seventy four degrees as we're recording this, Phil. On Sunday, the high is twenty four and the low is ten. Yeah, which uh, for these games, you know, the sun starts going down. You know, maybe it's behind the horizon there a little bit, around four thirty ish. It could be a chilly ending. It's time to put your big boy pants on, I think. Yes. You know, Eric, one time I was at a Broncos home game and my pants caught on fire. I, I do remember that. Yeah, because of a heater that was on the sideline. Got a little too hot, got a little too close. A little bit of smoke started coming up. It was like straight out of a movie, Eric. It's, I think uh, when I write your biography someday for you, I'm going to title it A Little Too Hot, A Little Too Close, The Phil Milani Story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
how would the profits be split for that? 50-50. Oh, I'll let you take 60. No, 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 no. I We're equals, Eric. Okay. I appreciate 50-50. Yeah. <laughs> Eric, thank you uh, for that fill-in-the-blank segment there. I appreciate that. Very nice. Did you have a wrap-up music for that? or? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Let me, let me find that. Fill-in-the-blank. Fill-in-the-blank. Thank you very much. Uh, Eric, let's now uh, get to my conversation with Albert Okuebunam. I uh, had a good chat with him earlier this week just about making his NFL debut and whether or not he feels like he's earned more playing time moving on here uh, the rest of the way. How was it to get out there and face the Patriots? It felt good. It felt great to be out there competing again. Um, you know, I, I loved every second of it. Um, you know, obviously some things to improve on, um, you know, and I'm just hungry for the next opportunity next week, for sure. How were you feeling before the game? A little bit of butterflies, jitters, anything like that? Um, maybe a little bit, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's just it's just ball. You know, I've been playing since I was nine years old, so, you know, it's just second nature to me. It's what I'm comfortable doing, so uh, not not too bad. You had a couple of nice catches, got to show off your athleticism a little bit there. Uh, what do you feel like you bring to that tight end room? Um, really just, just some, uh, mismatches and just the ability to create plays all over the field. Um, you know, as well as, you know, um, being able to really just be, like I said, just kind of effective all over the field. Um, you know, the next step in my game is going to be able to, to contribute heavily in the run game as well. And, you know, I look forward to, you know, improving and developing, uh, there. We saw you in training camp making a lot of big catches, uh, especially in the red zone. I know you had a couple that uh, went through your hands there the other yeah, day. No. How do you work on that, Albert? Um, really just repetition, you know, just in practice, just concentration, looking it all the way into the tuck. Um, you know, I feel like that's that's the biggest thing right there because, you know, those those are catches I can make. Those are catches I should make 100% of the time. So I feel like that's the biggest thing is just repetition, just the right mindset and just uh, looking the ball all the way in. Uh, did it feel good to get back out there with Drew, a, a guy obviously who has a lot of trust in you? Yeah, it was great. You know, I was really happy that, uh, you know, he was able to get back so soon. And, and you know, he came back, you know, 100%, you know, no no uh, difficulties on his end or soreness. So, you know, and he, and he looked great. Uh, so uh, really excited for him. Any surreal moments out there in the huddle where you're like, dang, this kind of feels like college, huh? <laughs> yeah, it was actually kind of funny after that. Um, that long reception I had uh, that got us into the red zone. Um, when I was running back to the huddle, you know, Drew, Drew was like, just like college. That's what he said. <laughs> just like college. So a little, little bit of flashbacks there, but, you know, it, it was great. Uh, you know, Drew's got that, you know, celebration where he puts on the backpack. If you were to catch one of those in the end zone, you got something planned here? Uh, n- n- nothing in particular. It'll probably be pretty uh, spontaneous just in the moment type of deal. But, yeah, nothing, nothing rehearsed, nothing, nothing planned. Okay. Well, I know this was your first time active. Uh, do you think that you've done enough here, made enough of a, you know, an impact in their game in that game against the Patriots to hopefully be active here a little bit more often? Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely made some, uh, some big plays, you know, uh, left some on the field as well. And, and, uh, and ultimately that's just going to be up to the coaches. You know, obviously I would love to, to continue to help us um, on the offensive side of the ball and make plays for us, but ultimately that's in their hands and, and, uh, just going to have to wait and uh, hang tight and see what they decide. Well, Albert, I appreciate your time. I know this is a day off for you, so uh, thanks for uh, taking some time to chat here. Yep, thank you very much.
my thanks to uh, Albert Okuebunam. Eric, I've got that last name down now. I think that's still wrong. I think it's Okuebunam. Okuebunam. That's what I said. Okay. Eric, if 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 it was wrong, he would have said, hey, just so you know, that's not how you say my name. Probably incorrect. I can tell you as someone with a last name that is pronounced wrong all the time, I don't stop people. Really? No, because you would just you'd have to stop people every other time. Yeah. Well, get it. You say, put some respect on my name. Yeah. You know, exactly. that's what I would say. But Eric, uh, I thought that that was a good conversation just because he recognized like, hey, that was a nice start for me, but I know I got to get better and I know I got to catch those passes. And Eric, we've seen him catch those passes in training camp. Yeah, it's just an adjustment, Phil. You know, the the speed of the game, the size of those guys, how closely you're covered. It's not like being at Missouri where you're probably wide open every other play because you're you're faster and stronger than everybody you're playing against. So it's just going to take some time. We saw Noah Fant struggle with some drops early in his career. He's obviously progressed well. And Noah still has room to grow in that area too. So I'm not concerned about Albert O at all. I would love to see him continue to be active. And, you know, uh, Andrew Beck, as we're recording this, he was held out of practice on Wednesday with a hamstring injury, I believe. So there's a possibility that Albert O might be active by necessity. But even if uh, you have to put somebody who's healthy down, I mean, Phil, I love the, we talk about Travis Kelsey being a mismatch and, you know, the, the Chiefs have a unique defender in Tyron Matthew who can guard a guy like Noah Fant. But what do you do if you're the Chiefs and Albert O and Noah are both out there on either side of the line and you've got to guard both those guys and worry about Jerry Judy and Philip Lindsay or Melvin Gordon in the backfield? I mean, that that's a that's a good recipe and it kind of what the Broncos have tried to build here is having those different options. So I'd love to see, you know, Phil, I would guess if I were a, a betting man, I'd say, you know, Alberto is probably not going to be active every week and then it might be a matchup based situation, but I think he'll get some more run here down the stretch of the season. So do I, I mean, uh, with both of those guys out there on the field at the same time, it really creates some problems. And, uh, you know, it's really hard to run full speed down the down the field, jump up and turn around and have the ball right there at you. Now, that's why these guys get paid a lot of money is that they can do things that are really difficult. So they're supposed but to be able to do things like that. Yeah. You think, you know, the great ones make it look easy, and that's why this podcast sounds the way it does. It's true. I'm just putting that out there. Uh but Eric, I do think that he'll be active more and more here as we uh, work our way through the season. I think that he brings a unique skill set just with his physicality. Noah Fant is a big, strong guy who can run really fast, but the size of Albert O makes him a really a unique type of a weapon. And I, I think that as the Broncos continue to work on their red zone game, he's going to be a big part of that. Well, and it's clear that Drew has an affinity for throwing the ball to him. I think he was targeted six times, five or six times. Drew looked for him a lot. And I don't know if that's if that was a matchup thing or it's just Drew's comfortable throwing to him. But that that to me is a good sign that, you know, it's not like he came into the game and, you know, didn't make an impact or was just invisible. He uh and, and Drew went back to him too, even after those couple of drops, the the catch and run on third down, I thought was a nice play by him. 
Um, and Phil, let's not underestimate the value of Drew throwing it deep at the beginning of the game opens up all those underneath passes to a Fant or an Alberto. So, yeah. um, well, Alberto just there said that when he was running back into the huddle, Drew said, just like college. Exactly. So, Which, you know, what? You don't think I so? I was going to say for Eric, if you ran into one of your college buddies and they were like, just like college, what would that mean uh, in that situation? I would say I probably don't remember what that's about. <laughs> that's that's probably like, hey. You were uh, studying in the library until exactly. two in Gen- the morning, and I just was so focused on my studies that I don't remember what exactly. Got it, yeah. Like uh, if you like forgot your calculator again, your buddy would be like, hey, just like college, exactly. always forget forgetting your calculator. Exactly. Or like. Yeah. You forgot, I forgot to put my pocket protector in and I got ink all over my shirt. Never yep. like, just, just like, like college. college, you silly boy. Yep. 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 Also, like when the exams come back and it's just like all A's. Yeah, all 100. And then that yep. one guy, the kind of like the, the dummy in your class, he gets a yep. 98 and you're like, not again. just like college. Just like college. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly. what I thought. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wildcats. Yeah. Back in action, huh? This Saturday. Wow. Time, the Maryland Field. Ryan um, I think it's I think it's at Maryland, but I could be wrong. I uh, I thought they were only playing Big Ten games. Uh, they made an exception. They're letting Maryland and Rutger play this year. Rutgers. Uh, Rutger. Rutgers. Yeah. Um, so that'll be exciting to see. I was gonna say with uh with Drew and Albert O something about how it was encouraging for this weekend. I don't know. Yeah. Sorry. You threw me off when you went to the I'm sorry. I okay. If it comes back to you, please bring it up later. I on. will. I will. All right, Eric. Well, let's uh, get to our final segment here on this episode of the neutral zone. And that is if the Broncos have won seven games in a row in this matchup, and then the chiefs have now won nine in a row. Is this really still a rivalry or do the Broncos need to win and then the Chiefs need to win and it goes back and forth a little bit to make it more of a rivalry? Um, I mean, I personally would say the Broncos need to win one before you're going to talk about this game again from a national perspective as one of the best rivalries. I mean, maybe I, I know the Broncos fans still hate the Kansas City Chiefs and want, you know, want nothing more than to beat them. I personally th- you know, a win over the Phil, I've worked here. This is my fifth season. I, I haven't been here when the Broncos have beaten the Chiefs, so I don't really even know what it's like. Um, but personally, I can see how a win over the Chiefs would be better than a win over the Raiders. Um, you, you know, I just think from a national perspective, no one's going to talk about Broncos Chiefs the way that they talk about uh, the way they talked about Broncos Patriots, for example, unless you start to win some of these games and. You know, you go into these games thinking we truly don't know who's going to win. As long as you know who is going to win for sure, and I don't think that's the case right now, but it certainly has been for a few of these in Arrowhead in particular. When that's the case, it's hard to consider it to be a top rivalry for for sure. I I tend to agree with you that there needs to be back and forth there. The one thing I'll say is obviously for the fans, it's a rivalry. I mean, you grow up hating the other teams in the AFC West, but 
particularly the Chiefs and the Raiders, just because there were so many battles there. So there does need to be a little bit of a back and forth. I will say from a player's perspective, I think that when you've got a young team that they've just come to Denver and they don't really know what it means to like beat the Chiefs, that kind of thing, they don't necessarily feel that at the beginning. But over time, I think you start to hate that team because you're playing them twice a year. And we have even heard like Cortland Sutton, you know, after that snow game last year, I think he said, I don't like these guys. You know, and it's like my priority to try and beat them. I think you have to have that mindset as a team just because you're like, look, I, these guys have come in here and beat us seven times in a row. We need to, enough is enough. And I think that gets your competitive juices going a little bit. And even though you haven't been in many of those matchups, I think you know what it means. So I think from the Denver side, definitely the younger players who play for Kansas City, a McCall Hardman, uh, Edwards, Elaire, those kind of guys. I don't know if they necessarily feel that, but I definitely think that the Broncos guys feel that, and uh, it's because the Chiefs have have won a bunch here. Yeah, and you know, I think you're right there that they're saying all the right things, and I think they, the Broncos, feel a certain way toward the Chiefs that they don't feel toward the Raiders or the Chargers, but. I don't know if that's because it's more of a rivalry or just because like, Hey, we're sick of losing to these guys. And that you'd, you'd feel that way if it was, you know, the last 10 times you'd played the Miami dolphins, you'd lost, you know, it is a little bit different because you play twice a year. And um, I don't want to say that the chiefs have showboated, but there have been times certainly where the Don Terry Poe was a showboating area. The, the Don Terry Poe touchdown. That in was 2016. a package. Yeah. Um, Tyreek Hill likes to throw up the peace sign. There is a punt return for a touchdown, or it might have been a safety return for a touchdown in 2016, where Tyreek Hill high-fived a teammate. Anthony Thomas. Before getting in the end zone. So, you know, there's not many guys really left from that 2016 team or even the 2017 edition. But certainly guys like Cortland Sutton, Bradley Chubb, Philip Lindsay, they were here in 2018 when they almost beat the Chiefs at home, and then uh, essentially got smacked the last two times they've played. So they get it. I think they're tired of it. But you got to go do something about it at some point, you know? Yeah, and, you know, I think that if you think you're a good team, which I think a lot of the players on the Broncos feel like that, they don't like it when so much praise goes to the other side nonstop, you know, with guys talking so much about the Chiefs. I think you're like, no, you should start talking about us. And you've got to go out there and prove that and earn that. And I think the Broncos are taking the right approach there where they're just saying, look, we got to we gotta go out there and, and earn some respect here. And I think that that's uh, the approach they're taking this week. Well, and from that standpoint, Phil, it doesn't matter if you go out there and you're competitive in the fourth quarter. You have to win to get that. You know, the rest of the season, you might be – encouraged or whatever you might be able to say like hey there are things we can take from a loss that you could use in the following weeks but to get national respect it's going to take more than beating the the chargers and the the falcons you know this game so i get it 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 happened i'm sure when teams would beat the broncos on a rare occasion when peyton was here that the thought was oh the broncos played a poor game 
or, you know, this was not supposed to happen. And it's just, it was irritating this week to see teams say like the Patriots are flawed or the Patriots have big problems instead of like, Hey, this is a team that, you know, won a couple of games. They took Seattle right to the wire on the road with Cam Newton. And now you're just dismissing it because the Broncos won. So that win didn't earn a lot of national respect. And if you beat the Chiefs and you have a win over the the uh, Patriots and Chiefs in back-to-back weeks with a chance to then, you know, forget about being two and four and moving back toward 500, you are 500 and now have the chance to get above it against the Chargers. You'll start seeing more respect nationally for this team. Yeah, you got to do it consistently. You know, yeah. if you have a good game here or there, then it's like, oh, what's wrong with that team? Why did they lose? But back-to-back weeks would put you on the radar, especially since the Chiefs won the way that they did. They went to Buffalo and beat the Bills. You you know that they're still good. I think if they would have lost that game, then people would have said, oh, what's wrong with the Chiefs if the Broncos beat them? But now that we know the Chiefs are still really good, now I think you could say, okay, if the Broncos win this game – now that's more about the Broncos playing well. And also the way it happens too. I mean, if the Broncos, you know, really move the ball well and score touchdowns, the defense plays well, then you say more of, okay, wow, they really just beat those guys versus if it's like a fluky play here or there or something like that. I also think the gap is smaller than it's been in a while. You know, obviously in 2016, the Broncos still had a Super Bowl defense and essentially everyone back on offense with the exception of, Peyton, obviously. Um, And those teams played really close in Denver. It was an overtime game that went down to the final seconds of overtime. And then the talent discrepancy, maybe, maybe it leaned toward Kansas city in 17 and 18. And even last year, Phil, you you look at that game when the Broncos were two and four, I believe, or or two and it would have been two and four going into that chiefs game. You had beaten a Titans team that was not good at that point because of their quarterback play. You had lost to a Bears team that ended up not making the playoffs. You had lost to a Raiders team and really weren't competitive for most of that game that did not make the playoffs. You lost to a Jaguars team that ended up having a top 10 draft pick. And then you lost to a Packers team that was good, but uh, really not competitive in the second half. Phil, this year's team has gone to the wire with a Steelers team and a Titans team that are much better than than those Bears teams or those Raiders teams. And then, you know, you did have the one kind of clunker against Tampa without Drew Locke. So I think that's somewhat explainable. But this team has been better overall. They've got more talent. Even with all the injuries, I still think they're more talented. And they're they're getting closer. And whether or not that means they're going to win this weekend, I don't know. But I think the balance is shifting back toward, even with Mahomes, this being a more competitive rivalry on a consistent and, basis. And you talk about uh, how can the Broncos still feel encouraged even if they don't end up winning. One of the ways is to show that that talent gap is much closer on the field. So if you go out there and you show it, then boom, you feel encouraged that, hey, we knew on paper that it's closer and we went out there and showed that it's closer. I think that way you also feel encouraged. So. Eric, I think we've reached that part of the program where we like to do a little thing called shout-outs. I love shout-outs, Phil. Shout-out Liz Manis, of course. I think we already did that, didn't we? Well, you mentioned her, but I'd also like to say shout-out Liz Manis. I think that the Broncos did like six community events on Tuesday this week. They did. I was at 
one of, or two of them, I guess, actually, Justin Simmons participated in a national town hall. I think it was Youth for Change um, with some Boys and Girls Club members, Michael Thomas of the Texans and Jason Wright, the president of the Washington football team. Uh, really impressive to hear them talk about uh, social justice, police reform, those sorts of things. And then Justin Simmons then joined another call with some young teenage students from the Boys and Girls Club talking about identity and those sorts of things. And I, I sat there and I, I think I texted Liz Manis and I said, it's really impressive that Justin Simmons spends this amount of time every week uh, that he doesn't have to spend. It's his one off day a week and he's, you know, spending it away from his family, making an impact. And I, it's not going to get noticed by a lot of people, but impressive, I think, to be following up with all the things that they've talked about. You know, the players have talked about wanting to inspire change and create change, and they're doing it even if it's, you know, even if they're not marching in the streets every day. Yeah, and that was a big thing heading into the season was how can the guys continue the progress that they made over the off season? and Justin Simmons, uh, he's talked that talk, and then now he's walking that walk, and he's continuing to uh, – push the agenda there. And I think that that's been uh, really impressive, much more than just a football player is Justin Simmons. Uh, very impressive there. Uh, the one community thing that I did this week was uh, I hosted a zoom call with several Broncos players with some cancer patients uh, from UC health and uh, really uh, cool, cool to see a bunch of players. I think there were seven players uh, guys like Malik Reed, uh, Tim Patrick, Sam Martin, Bradley Chubb, um, guys like that, uh, Derek Tuskai. It was uh, uh, Austin Calitro. These guys were all out there uh, on this Zoom call, and it was really a cool deal uh, to see them uh, uh, making an impact, you know, for some local people, giving a little bit of inspiration. So uh, I think that that was cool. So shout out to the community department, Eric. We love it. We love it. All right, well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Our thanks to Malik Reed and Albert Okuebunam. You like that, Eric? Uh, sure, we can okay. go with it. Uh, for joining us here on the program, good to catch up with those guys a little bit. And then, uh, yeah, we talked about Drew Locke being from Kansas City. Eric's got a huge issue with that. I tried to talk him down. So That's exactly how it went. And then, uh, and then is this still a rivalry? I think yes. I think yes, but uh, a win by the Broncos this week would go a long way. So, Eric, we'll be back on Monday next week following the Broncos and Chiefs game. We'll uh, hopefully get some phone calls from fans. I thought that was cool last week. 707 Neutral is how you can get uh, uh, on the program. Leave a voicemail. We'll play it. Eric, they can also email, right? That's right, neutralzoneshow at gmail.com. As we mentioned, we got one email from John Jornod, probably our most, probably our most loyal, I would say, uh, emailer. Yes. NZ Nation really is NZ World. So, uh, that's true. We want, we want, uh, we want everybody to feel represented here on the show. It's not just our show, it's all of our show. So it's kind of like how I like to think about it. Anyway, Eric, uh, uh, we'll be back next Monday. Reach out to us on Twitter as well, at Eric Delilah with an A, at Phil Milani with a PH. 
little bit strange spellings there, but that's okay. And uh, we'll wrap up the game on Monday. But until then, for Eric Dahl, I'm Phil Milani. You've been listening to The Neutral Zone.